Today, we explored the mind of a conservative woman featuring Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee. You don't want to miss it. It's up next. From the nation's capital, this is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, president and CEO of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Senator Marsha Blackburn was elected to the U.S. Senate in 2018, where she's serving her first term representing the great state of Tennessee. Before her election to the Senate, she represented Tennessee in the 7th Congressional District. I can't wait for you to hear from our guest today. She's written a powerful new book called The Mind of the Conservative Woman. I think it is an amazing primer for conservative women as we enter this season on the election. Joining me is Senator Marsha Blackburn, and I am just so excited about your book, Senator, The Mind of a Conservative Woman. I really have really enjoyed it. I want to talk about the book, but first, I just want our listeners to know a little bit more about you. Share a little bit of your story. I, I loved reading about how you grew up, and I don't want to give any away, but your, your, your sales experience. Yes, I grew up in a conservative family in South Mississippi, Laurel, Mississippi. And your listeners who are fans of HGTV will recognize Laurel, Mississippi, because now the TV, the HGTV show Hometown mm -hmm. is filmed in Laurel, and they're renovating all of these wonderful houses that were built because the lumber and the brick industry was located in Laurel. And uh, I went to school at Mississippi State, and that is where I first started to exercise my conservative beliefs, because I would be debating with friends who were liberal, and we had these robust, respectful political debates. And I also served as president of the Associated Women Students, and I recount going to a women's student women's government meeting in Chicago, and someone from the women's rights groups. Uh, National Organization for Women came in, and everybody was cheering. And yes, that's Gloria Steinem, right? Is it right? Yeah. I sat in my seat, and <laughs> just I said, "This is how you protest somebody. You just don't participate in the glorification." Right. And you didn't yell. You didn't scream. You didn't. You didn't incite right. violence. Right. That's right. I just didn't agree. So I carried out my own little silent, I don't agree with you moment. But I appreciated having the ability to exercise those skills. And then I worked my way through college selling books door to door for the Southwestern Company too. When they decided they would allow me to sell, they didn't hire or recruit women. So I had to break that barrier. And I talk a little bit about that experience and what I learned. And then as I became involved in Republican politics with my husband and starting Young Republicans and working through the process and being a party chair and serving in the state Senate as the only Republican female and leading a four-year fight in my state to make certain we did not have a state income tax in Tennessee to this day does not have and will never have a 
state income tax. And then going to Congress, serving in Congress, and Penny, you remember as I chaired the select committee that looked into what was happening yes, with the I sale do. of body parts. And the amount of just verbal abuse and the threats that my team and I took on a daily basis as we stopped the sale of those baby body parts. Mm -hmm. And then my run for the Senate where Taylor Swift comes, decides to announce to her 200 million followers that she's endorsing my opponent because Marsha Blackburn is such a terrible person. That's and right. And she goes into all of these reasons why, which were nothing more than the Democrat talking points right. of the day. Well, just just pause right there because I one thing I just want to tease out here, and when I was reading your story, it really reminded me that I, I this comes up sometimes. When I talk to people out and around the country and our members around the country, they have this sort of idea that elected members of the Senate and Congress are these ivy-towered, super uber-wealthy people who just sort of, you know, had a silver spoon in their mouth and, and, and just lucked into their position. In my experience, and I think your story bears this out, these are some of the hardest-working people I've ever met. I mean, going door-to-door, -door, right, having doors slammed in your face. I mean, is it, what do you think about that? Do you, uh, do you think I'm on point? Of course you're on point. And one of the reasons for writing this book, and it's a very intentional book, is because women, conservative women who are in the public eye or in elective office, are women who are considered uh, grass tops, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, among their friends when it comes to public policy issues. The left basically says, if you do not agree with us, then you don't have a voice. And that is what you hear from the mainstream media basically saying, if you're pro-life, pro-family, pro-religion, pro-business, pro-military, then we don't listen to you. And it is important for conservative women to know that there are more women like them mm -hmm. than there are women that agree with the left. Mm -hmm. So this book is a good defense mechanism for those women that speak up and speak out. And also, likewise, Penny, for, and I know you've heard this many times, I'll be speaking to a women's business group, and during question and answer, someone will throw up their hand, and they'll say, Marsha, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm an independent. Right. And I look at the issue, I look at the candidate, then I make my mind up. So after a few years of hearing that, I started throwing a question back at them, and I would say, okay, tell me what your filter is. What are the things that are important to you when you look at that? And amazingly, what would come back at me is some semblance of this. They would say, well, I want somebody that believes in the Constitution. I want somebody that believes in the rule of law, believes there should be fairness, believes there should be equality, believes there should be justice. I want people that are going to abide by the rule of law. I want government out of my way. I don't want them to make my health care decisions or my family's or decide my child's educational opportunity. Those are things I want to do. I want equal opportunity for everybody. And 
I realized that basically most women would give you a conservative construct. Mm -hmm. But the media has so maligned conservatism that they no longer, people don't recognize it. That's right. And that is the reason for going into the book and giving the history of conservatism. And you know, one of our great historians, Newt Gingrich, actually wrote the foreword for this book. He so is, have- and he was a history professor, I think. But so, That's yeah, right. so turning to the book, um, I, this is what I loved about your book. I think it is a great primer for women who, they know what they believe. And, and I wrote a book, too, for conservative women, but, but it was more sort of appealing to the heart issues, right? You really appeal to the un- intellectual underpinnings of conservatism and you lay it out really well i mean you go it's sort of this sort of cliff notes version you discuss you know the road to serfdom with friedrich hyatt and the austrian school of economics i, mean, I felt like i was getting smarter just reading it you know and i and ran atlas shrugged you go through russell kirk's conservative principles which i love um and you quote edmund burke who you know really was the you know one of the the men the great men who loved the American Revolution, hated the French Revolution, and was such an important influence on our founders. And I just to quote him, you, you, you quoted him very accurately. He said, religion is the basis of civil society and the source of all good and all comfort. And I just think, you know, that is such an important distinction between what we're seeing happening around our country right now you're seeing one group of people whose vision for the country is lawlessness disrespect for religion and christianity and uh, abortion on demand anytime any reason sale of baby body parts which you were so instrumental in stopping and sort of this this whole deconstruction of our civil society and then you have another group of people who recognize and, and again you what laid it out so well family, faith, and freedom, and the importance of history, the importance of heritage. And, you know, I just love to hear what you have to say about that. But I just think it's just so important for women to understand where we came from, what our heritage is, what were the underpinnings of the philosophy and principles of conservatism. Well, I think it's important, too. If you do not know where you have been, you do not know where you're going. And that's why the history is so important, and it's why I go all the way back to the 12 tribes of Israel from which we draw our federalism principles, and I look at Jerusalem, where we get our Judeo-Christian ethics, and Mm -hmm. then we go to Athens, and we look at philosophy and political awareness, and to Rome for an appreciation of the law and social awareness, how that works with society, then to London where we got our parliamentary underpinnings, and then to Philadelphia with our founding documents, and then bring in the great writers who have written about this American experiment that is freedom and is government of, by, and for the people, and a government and a rule of law that is there to restrain government, that is there to make certain that our God-given rights are ours. And you know, Penny, liberals come from the point of view that government will solve the problem and you give your freedoms to the government. Right. And, and the freedom come, and the government gives us our freedoms as opposed to God, right? That's where we that's derive right. our freedoms. 
that's right. And then conservatives come from the point of view that no, you don't need the liberals beginning with trendy issues and mandates of government. Conservatives say, began with there is a God and he has taught us how to live. And we use the law to protect our God-given gifts. And conservatives let conscience, truth, and the higher good be their guide. That is one of their founding. They work on the courage of conviction and standing on principles. And when you look at the left, they stand with government having the basis to say, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to allow you to do. So it's basically very different constructs. And you're seeing this play out right now. And as you were talking about uh, what is happening uh, now and how liberals work, it reminded me of, of a quote I put in the book, the John Randolph quote that providence moves slowly, but the devil always hurries. And how many times growing up did we hear a Sunday school teacher or somebody say, that devil's always in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's important for us to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. All right, let's take a pause right here. We'll go to the break and we'll be right back to continue our great conversation with Senator Marsha Blackburn discussing her phenomenal book, The Mind of a Conservative Woman. Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Joining me is Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, you um, you have some really great tips for women, I think, in this book of how to be effective. But I really think there's sort of different standards, like it or not, for conservative women from everybody else. And sort of we have to take the high road. We need to be gracious. We need to be kind. I mean, everybody does. But I really think that we're held to a higher standard, and we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And in the book, you talk about being a happy warrior. And we talk about that, too, at Concerned Women for America. We don't always meet the mark, but we do try really hard. Talk about that. Tell, tell our listeners, what does that mean to be a happy warrior? And then just maybe juxtapose it with the other side and the Women's March and kind of what, what you see happening. Absolutely. I do say that I'm a happy warrior because I keep myself focused on preserving faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. I call that my big five. And when I look at my children and my grandchildren, I feel like that is what is so important. And Reagan told us, we don't pass freedom along in the bloodstream. Every generation has to fight for it. So this is my way for being able to fight for freedom and help to protect my children and grandchildren in the future. And I think it is vitally important, as I said, not to get into somebody's face and scream and yell. I have never known. And you have those stories of how people have treated you like that in this book. Yes, I do. 
And I think it's important, Penny, for people to know you get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who will come up to you and they will scream at you and they will bang on windows in a restaurant when I'm sitting in a restaurant because they want to make me uncomfortable. But it does not sway me and it doesn't sway anyone else. Now, if you're sitting in a restaurant and somebody sees that I'm in there and they want to have their moment and they come up and confront me or they yell at me or they're banging on the windows, what are they saying to the other people that are in the restaurant? They're saying that they cannot control their emotions, that they cannot find a proper way to express their opinions. So they have a child-like tantrum Mm -hmm. in public. And I think that while it is important that we stake out a claim and take a stand where it is important, that it is also important for us to be gracious, to learn how to ask questions, to learn how to talk with someone so that we're opening minds and we're not burning bridges. And I do like that. I, I have the public tactics for conservative women in the chapter where we talk about this, where we talk about together, everyone achieves more. That is, TEAM is an acronym because it takes everyone working together. And then how important it is to have male mentors because when you have a male mentor, they are learning to understand you, but they're also seeing what you have to put up with when you are trying to express your opinion. And I had a young woman just recently, I was doing a radio show on the book, and she had been recognized by a company for some success she had achieved and a barrier that she had broken. And she was just devastated to hear from some of her colleagues that some of the liberal colleagues were appalled that she was recognized. And they said, what does she know about women's rights and about (laughs) women's achievements? She's a conservative. And, you know, Mm. if you don't take that stand, and if you don't push back a little bit but do it graciously, and if you don't have some male mentors who are going to work with you on it, it is going to be more made more difficult. And I told her, I said, look, pick your battles wisely. But be able to say, no, I did this, and I deserve that. And conservative women are just as focused on women's achievement as anybody else because we want the best for everybody. We don't think you have to be in a clique in order to succeed. We think everybody should use their God-given talent. Women are amazing, and they have every right to be compensated for and to use those talents. Yeah, it's just that we don't think you have to put your thumb on the scale for us. We actually think we're bright enough to equally compete and win. (laughs) It's really what it boils down to. And so just because we don't want the heavy hand of government squelching out any competition for us doesn't mean that we don't, we just believe in equal opportunity and we think highly of ourselves and our own abilities. And so I think that's what they, they miss. I loved your story about being when you're running. I thought this was such the height of hypocrisy, right? You're running, I think, for this. This might have been your Senate race, or maybe it was your House race. 
And this woman confronts you about how dare you, you have children at home, how dare you run for public office. And she tells she's a Democrat, right? The people that are yes. supposed to care about equality and women's advancement is the one making the argument that you have no right to run. Right. And it, she was just so in my face. And I needed to be home. And this was a man's job. And I was stepping up to run for this position. And she just wanted to call me out for being out there running. And as I thought about it, I realized she was upset that I was a conservative woman running for a position that had long been held by a Democratic man. Mm -hmm. And so the best way she could think to come at me was to speak out loudly and to reprimand me for stepping up and running for a man's job. Well, and using motherhood against you, right? Because right. we really of care course. about those things. You know, we, we we do have guilt as working mothers about our, you know, our children. Every woman that works that I know sort of feels torn and, you know, every Absolutely. day is doing the balance. So she knew where your weak spot was. But you, I'm glad you stood up to her and you did it with a smile on your face. Yes, and that is something that we absolutely have to do. You cannot let the pettiness bog you down or slow you down or to kill your spirit. Mm-hmm. Because your if God has passed in, put in you this desire, that desire is there for a reason. And you need to be exercising that in his will. And not let somebody get to you and take that joy and that accomplishment away from you. Well, that's right. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and not her for you. And, you know, that's right. that's the moment you've got to, you know, got to recognize. And um, instead of people killing your joy, you've got to look to look to the Lord. And I'm glad you did. We've got just a couple more minutes here, but I, I just can't miss this moment to say that you have been such a firm supporter of President Trump you know, really right from the beginning, you recognized what was happening in the country and why it was important to elect a businessman that was an outsider from New York who didn't necessarily know people like us, but you knew that he could do a good job. Tell me what you're seeing ahead for the election here on the 100th. We're at the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, women given the right to vote. What do you see ahead for conservative women in this election? In this election, I think it's vitally important for conservative women. If you want to keep your rights, in your freedoms, then you need to vote. If you're concerned about pro-life, pro-religion, religious liberty, then you need to be certain that you are voting. And what we know is that when it comes to holding the Senate, Penny, we're, our candidates are doing really well. And we're going to pick up a couple of seats. And I think that we are in a pretty good position. Everybody is going to have to work and everybody is definitely going to have to vote. hundred That is an imperative. Well, that's and our message. We're, we're doing She Prays, She Votes initiatives around the country, been live in about 10 states. And we've said this is our Esther moment. Every single one of us, if we want to continue to enjoy the same level of opportunity, economic freedom, religious freedom that we've enjoyed, continue to have pro-life judges, perhaps more justices, every single one of us has to make sure we register to vote, bring like-minded friends to the polls on Election Day, and vote, vote, vote. That is exactly right. And we are at 220 federal judges on the bench. We've got more to go this year, but 
as you're saying, there will be justices, those appointments next cycle, there will be other judges to appoint. Keeping that judiciary on a constitutional foundation is an imperative. Well, let me close with saying we are so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you agreed to be on the Judiciary Committee, which means you'll be there for the next Supreme Court justice. And we're grateful for you being willing to do that. We really need your voice. But I love your book. Go buy Marsha Blackburn's book, The Mind of a Conservative Woman, wherever books are sold. I'm telling you, it's a great primer for anybody that has an interest in the underpinnings of our freedom. We need to know that. Absolutely. And thank you so much. What a delight to be with you. Well, that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much, Senator Blackburn, for joining us on Concerned Women today. And make sure you go out and buy Senator Blackburn's new book, the mind of the conservative woman, wherever books are sold. Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy women's organization. For more information, visit concernedwomen.org. That's concernedwomen.org.